Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bold, Director of Public Affairs. We have a special edition this week to go over what's going to come up in the August ballot, uh, the August primary. And I'm going to talk with B.J. Tanksley, our Director of State Legislative Programs, to give us some deep dive insight into what to look for when you go to vote in August. So let's get started. Today I'm joined by B.J. Tanksley. He is our Director of State Legislative Programs, and we're going to do something a little different here this uh, this week. We have a lot coming up on the August ballot here in just a couple of weeks, and uh, we have races from U.S. Senate all the way down through the State House of Representatives, uh, including, of course, your local races as well. But um, we're going to have a couple of ballot issues between November and August. We've got quite a bit to talk about. So BJ has been paying attention to all of this stuff a million times more than me. And I asked if maybe he could come and uh, help give us an update. So BJ, thanks uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, I guess we're in mid-July, so we're just a few weeks out of the primary elections. Uh, we're starting to see the ads crank up on TV, radio, mm-hmm. Facebook, social media. So, yeah, it's a pretty good time to take a peek at uh, what the landscape looks like and yeah. what our, uh, what Missourians can expect into August and then kind of a little bit post-August. Yeah, and I, just, I was driving through, uh, I went down to Branson last weekend, and uh, there were all of a sudden just political signs everywhere. And it seems like I hadn't seen any up until just a certain, uh, that, that Friday, I think it was last Friday, everything just all of a sudden popped up at once. So it, it started to get pretty uh, hot in uh, in Missouri over the past couple of weeks. So we're going to um, take a look at all those races. Let's start off at the top of the ballot. Uh, start off with the U.S. Senate race. That's one that's gaining a lot of national attention. Uh, actually, there were just some headlines the last couple of days about um, Vice President Pence talking about this race and trying to bring some real attention to it with the Supreme Court nomination that seems to have cranked up the the amplitude on this. So uh, what do you think uh, we're going to see with that one? Yeah. So as far as we look at August, um, Attorney General Hawley has a tougher primary, if there is a tougher primary. Um, he has the tougher primary in the August election where he does have several contenders against him. As far as realistically, they don't have the funding behind them that the that that you would really need probably. Mm-hmm. But who knows? In these past few in these last few weeks, what we may see come out. Uh, we have seen um, ads start to run recently for uh, Attorney General Holly, where he's done a pretty good job of hitting on some of those top issues, especially with the Supreme Court nomination coming up. We know that will probably be a hot topic as we go through this entire election. I did read something um, just the other day that was talking about Missouri, where we used to be seen as more of a bellwether state, where we went the way this, the, the nation did, um, where this article was laying out that they believe Missouri probably leans approximately 5% or a little more Republican, mm-hmm. and then that the national tide kind of moves us from there. So any statewide election, or at least the way they were laying out, any statewide election would be kind of coming from that perspective of a Democrat candidate had to have a little bit to overcome that at least. And I think that's probably what we see in the Holly race at this point, uh, where there was some polling recently that was showing him just a few ticks ahead of Claire McCaskill, the sitting incumbent. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, obviously, we all know Claire. She's been a great politician in the past. Mm-hmm. She's come from some races where people said, oh, she can't win in this environment. Um, it's not going to happen. And she's never failed to win those. So <laughs> I do think it'll be interesting. Pull it out, yeah. Like. Um, so and I think that she deserves a credit for that. And her team does sure. as well, because uh, we'll see that again. She's she's going to be tough. She has been traveling the state. We do know that she's been doing those tours and she's been out doing the listening sessions um, for for 
the last few years, you know, and so she has been out doing those things. So it'll be interesting to see. Her ground game's been strong over the last few years uh, getting ready for this. Um, so it'll be an interesting race. As far as August goes, obviously we'll see both of those probably prevail in their primaries, uh, and we'll see that race run down to uh, to November. Um the good thing is, or the interesting thing will be, there will be a lot of money spent in the state of Missouri. There will be a lot of media attention here because that will be one of the states that helps decide um, the fate of the U.S. Senate as far as where the majorities go there. Um, that race is going to be one of the top-line ones, at least going into August. Uh, we'll see how the polling leads as far as that goes. But there will be a lot of national attention on the state of Missouri over how that race ends up. So uh, we'll see a lot of heat here. We'll probably see a lot of, uh, lot of advertisements from both candidates and from outside expenditures. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that one ends up. But as far as the primary goes, uh, we'll probably see some messaging from both of them, but we'll probably see both of those come out of their primaries with uh, with not much trouble. Yeah, and uh, one of the reasons that's so top of the ticket or in the national conscience, I guess, is that Missouri went 19 points for Donald Trump uh, a couple years ago. And so that uh, you've seen Attorney General Hawley try to tie himself pretty closely to um, President Trump and the Trump agenda and trying to uh, make this a referendum on the Supreme Court and on the balance of power. So oh, that's exactly right. Target. That's exactly right. We saw uh, um, Vice President Pence here just uh, this week, and then we'll also see, I heard, I saw that uh, the president himself is coming out mm -hmm. in a couple more weeks. Um, so we may see more visits as that goes, as yeah. we see how important this race comes down to holding the national majorities. So you're exactly right. I do think, uh, I think um, it'll be interesting to see. You see how, how heavily Missouri went for Trump, and Trump wants to make sure that that stays secure, I would imagine. Absolutely. Um, then moving a little bit down the ticket onto the U.S. House races, we have eight members of the United States House of Representatives from Missouri, two Democrats, one from Kansas City and one from St. Louis, mostly those urban cores. And then the other six are from what most people would just call outstate Missouri. Um, and those are all the Republicans. So uh, any you know big surprises looking like they're coming in there? I don't think so. I think um, you and I both know that those seats are all pretty well safe. Yeah. Uh, um, they will all run hard, uh, and there will be some messaging for and against. But I think in the end, we probably see all eight incumbents reelected. I think it would take a pretty heavy national tide to change any of that. Um, we've had good representation. I, I don't see a lot of anger with any of them at this point, and I think it would take a pretty heavy tide to change any of that. How about you? Yeah. No, I think that's right. And, you know, we've had one of the more stable uh, delegations over the past few years. We haven't had a change since 2013, so more than five years ago when Congressman Smith joined the delegation. And uh, to have eight, well, actually 10 members of the all 10, including the two senators, who haven't changed in five years is pretty unusual. And doesn't look like that's going to yeah. be different in this November. Yeah, the power of the incumbency is true all across the nation, but apparently here yeah. in Missouri for sure. Well, and the geography of Missouri is, is somewhat unique in that you do only have those two um, cities that really uh, are going to continue to have most likely a Democratic representative for the foreseeable future. Yeah. But then it's hard to see a Democrat winning any of the other districts the way they're drawn because there just aren't that many traditionally Democratic voters in those districts. Yeah. So yeah. pretty likely to stay that way. Uh, well, on the statewide ballot, though, we do have a bit of an inter interesting one. The only um, Democrat holding a statewide uh, uh, seat in the uh, on the state level, I should say, yeah. excluding Senator McCaskill, is Nicole Galloway, who is um, the state auditor. And she was appointed to take that position upon um, Tom Schweik's uh, passing. And um, Governor Nixon appointed her to that role. But now she's running for that uh, full-term re-election. 
Uh, what do you think is going to happen with that one? Yeah, so we have a four-way Republican primary to face off with um, with Galloway. We have a four-way Republican primary. Um, that includes uh, Representative Paul Kurtman, as well as several other newcomers to the to the political races. Um, and the, probably the top billing on that one would be um, a lawyer from St. Louis uh, by the name of David Wassinger. Um, he has um, been active in political circles before, but I believe this is the first statewide uh, election yeah. he's ran for. I think he ran for some local elections in the past. Um, but it'll be between those two, in my opinion, for the for the Republican candidacy for the for the for the state auditor. Um, and it'll be an interesting race. You know, um, Representative Kurtman obviously has run for election before. He does have some name recognition from having done so. He announced that he was going to be a part of this race couple years ago mm-hmm. and so he's been out there with the ground game getting to know those primary voters for a while now on the other hand um, mr. Wassinger has has the money lead I mean he has the ability um, to fund and has raised more funds and so it'll be interesting in these in these last few weeks before the primary of, of how that falls if mm-hmm. the ground game wins or or if the money game because in the end you have to contact voters in one way or the other um, and, and a lot of times we see that that's what it comes down to where it's a well-funded candidate versus a candidate with a good ground game, and it's just going to see how that splits. Um, there will be some of the message of the political newcomer versus the, mm-hmm. but um, Representative Kurtman has kind of ran as kind of uh, against the grain anyway within yeah. the legislature, and I think that's fair to say where he wanted to be, uh, you know, uh, an independent voice, I think, is part of his messaging. Um, and I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see how that falls because he's really been on the trail for a long time running and talking to voters about why he wanted to be the auditor. But I think to be completely fair, either one of them is going to have a tough race uh, against Auditor Galloway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we've talked about before, um, if when you're sitting in the auditor's position, you don't really make a lot of people mad. Yeah. You're going out there and you're doing investigations and you're saving the state money. And for all intents and purposes, from everything I've heard, she's done a good job of mm-hmm. it. You know, she's done and a she's good had a job. Good message. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm kind of the watchdog for the taxpayers and that type of thing. And seems to have had some pretty high profile audits that have turned up some things that uh, were really wrong that yeah. the people had been maybe deliberately, maybe not deliberately doing incorrectly. And, um, she's, I think, gotten a lot of good press out of that. That's exactly right. And you know, it's not an overly partisan position, so you don't make yeah. one party mad or the other when you do those kind of things. Uh, for the most part, you just make everybody happy that you're out there watching out for their tax dollars. So I think it'll be an interesting race. Probably the U.S. Senate race in November leads that race as far as if one wins, the the same party probably wins on, on down ballot. Um, but it'll be interesting because it's going to be a tough race because she has been, although she wasn't elected, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. she was appointed. Um, she's been good while she's been in that position. And, and the two uh, leading Republican candidates in this August primary, though, they're both from St. Louis, right? Representative Kurtman is from just outside of the St. Louis area, but yes, uh, Wassinger is from St. Louis himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a little bit high profile because he did do the uh, Countrywide Home Loans case, oh, yeah. which ended up bringing um, a, a lot of money back to the nationwide uh, mm-hmm. taxpayers. Um, so he does have that to run on if he were the candidate in the in the, uh, in the the general. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays if yeah. he is the candidate because he can stand behind have, actually having played that taxpayer watch dog role before um so it'll be interesting but yes both coming from the urban area more or less although kurtman's a little bit south and i I think that's always kind of interesting in missouri the dynamics in especially in these primary races when you have sometimes two or three people from the st louis area and then one other person from another part of the state and they sometimes are able to um, split that vote up in st louis and 
you know, as large as St. Louis is, it's still only maybe a third of the electorate. Um, and in a primary, it's not even that much. So um, sometimes that can work to their disadvantage, just knowing some of the same people and splitting them up. Yeah, no doubt. It is a four-way primary, and there are other candidates, um, one being from Jefferson City. The other is also from St. Louis, though. Okay. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We do have uh, a Jefferson City candidate, actually. Um, but it, those are just the top headline yeah. two names at this point, um, whereas typically in Missouri, a lot of times you'll see a Southwest Missourian jump mm-hmm. in there as well because you see so many primary voters coming from that area. Absolutely. Well, then on the state Senate level, there's a lot of action this year. Uh, quite a bit of turnover, as you've been talking about for a year or two, that um, this year was going to be a big one with a lot of higher profile senators being termed out um, and having to have an open race to replace them. We have quite a few of them that we're going to be watching in November, where I'm, I'm sorry, in August, where uh, they're actually going to be very uh, uncertain uh, outcomes in the primaries. A lot of times these things come look like slam dunks, but there's a bunch of them here that look like they're not going to be. Yeah, that's right. You know, we have we are seeing a, a large amount of turnover in the in the state senate um, because of term limits. We're seeing a, a record number of senators term limited, but we can talk more about that as we look forward to November. Looking towards August, we do see. There's probably more tough races, but at least five high-profile tough races in the in the state senate, um, where we have term-limited state senators um, and and a big primaries to try to replace them. As far as the overarching senate goes, we may see a sway of two or three senators. Um, two or three positions from one party to the other. And so that leaves us with the fight for who um, who takes over for those sitting, whether they're the same party or opposite party. But we do see five really tough races. Um, I think we can start out in St. Louis area um, with um, who's going to replace Senator Chappelle Nadal. Mm-hmm. You know, she has been a, 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 a large voice in the Senate for a long time. Um, a lot of people knew if she was against you, you probably couldn't get your issue done. So it's going to be big shoes to fill for whoever does. But we see a, uh, a three-way primary to try to fill her seat. There is current state rep Joe Adams, former Representative Sharon Pace, and former staffer to Congressman Lacey Clay, Brian Williams. And so you see a, an interesting dynamic there where you've got a former state rep, a current state rep, and then someone with, poli- with many, you know, a lot of political knowledge because he's been in the area, he's worked the area. So it'll just be interesting to see how that shakes down. Um, it'll probably come down to whose ground game's best or who can raise the funds to really get out the vote. Um, but then it'll be also interesting to see um, how Congressman Clay's voice plays into that race and whether or not he has a large role to play in that. So it'll be interesting as we, as we look towards that race to see... Um, to see how that falls. So um, that'd be the top one, but then... Are there any Republicans running in that district? I know it probably leans pretty heavily Democratic. Yeah, I believe there is a Republican or two uh, vying for that seat, but it's considered to be a pretty well a A safe safe Democrat district. So I I wouldn't expect to see a turnover there as far as actual party goes. Um, but but it will be a, a tough a tough primary battle for sure. Okay. Well, and then the uh, the race a little bit further west of there, um, kind of south central Missouri, uh, would be the, the seat that's currently held by Senator Dan Brown from the Rolla area, and I believe that in, uh, includes Rolla, uh, Phelps County, and uh, maybe Pulaski County as well. Is that right? Yes, it's got uh, 
Phelps, Camden, Pulaski. Oh, that's right. Camden's in there. Yeah, so it's got Camden as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to be a, a, an interesting race to watch, and, and we've actually seen some headlines from that one as well. You see as they're starting to roll out advertisements and really starting to, to hit the ground running in that. In that race, there's a three-way Republican primary, including current reps Diane Franklin and Keith Frederick, as well as Senator Dan Brown's son, um, Justin Brown. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be an interesting race where Justin Brown has the name recognition. Yeah. He has the influence of, of having been with his father and around his father and having the same last name, which yeah. doesn't hurt. So you got the name recognition from that as well. Um, versus two uh, sitting state reps. So this will be a really interesting race for those folks from that area where uh, they may have been a part of all three of those folks to some extent, where they were sitting in either Frederick or Fra- or Franklin's district, but they were also being represented represented by Brown. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how those votes fall. And, and that could end up being one of those population battles, too, because they're from kind of different parts of the district. And That's exactly it's right. It's kind of hard to see say exactly where the lines might break down um, it, based on the population centers and how many votes are in um, maybe Ms. Franklin's district, uh, yeah. former district, and uh, Mr. Frederick's former district. And, yeah, it'll be a, a tough one to predict, I think. Oh, that's exactly right. You know, um, Representative Franklin comes from kind of the western side. She comes from Camden County. And so that's got its own population center, whereas uh, Representative Frederick and Brown both come from Phelps County. So they kind of have that eastern side. Um, whether or not they split those votes or, or how that falls will probably be one of the deciding factors in the race for sure. Um, and, and that's how a lot of these battles usually come down is, is what population centers split which ways. So it'll be interesting to see. The other thing is going to be, um, you know, at this point, um, Justin Brown has the, the sizable fundraising advantage. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in these last few weeks um, if if the others can kind of compete with that or if that plays a major role in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be a, it'll be an interesting race to watch and one to watch for those of you from down there, um, you know, of how that turns out, you know, of what's going on and, and who's really hitting the ground. I know uh, Franklin was the first to at least to television. I've seen mm-hmm. some ads from her. Um, she has that one tough grandma. That's line, right. So it's kind of a memorable sticks out to you. It's memorable for sure. Um, and, you know, sometimes taglines work and sometimes they don't so it'll be interesting to see <laughs> yeah. interesting to see how that falls um but it's a you know it's a hot summer i'm sure they're all out there banging doors and trying to get get it done but uh with just a few weeks left it'll be interesting to see i did see a poll um just recently that showed um brown with a seven with a seven percent lead in that uh-huh. it was something 27 to 20 uh with with franklin in the second uh, but there was a sizable amount still undecided something like 28 yeah. percent still undecided so there's a lot of voters down there that are still to be reached and that'll probably be the deciding factor in and, that and i've goes. always kind of felt like some of those uh on the smaller races like a, a state senate race or a state representative race where you have a um less of a sampling uh, size sometimes on those polls, they can be pretty wildly out of whack from the final results. Oh, that's exactly right. I, I know from personal experience, even a statewide primary poll can be really tough, Yeah. depending on sampling size and what the turnout of, you know, whatever, uh, yeah. the measurements they're using to set that polling up uh, can be really tough when it comes, sure. especially like you said, in these smaller races. And so trying to predict turnout and all that yeah. is really difficult. And, and who knows what the turnout's going to be in this August uh, primary. It may not be very much. And when, when the turnout's pretty low, uh, your margin of error is a lot bigger on, on what exactly your polling right. is That's exactly as compared right. to the reality. So, 
one of the interesting things about um, about the uh, 16th district is it's somewhat hard to believe that you know just a few years ago Senator Brown won that seat by um, ousting an, an incumbent Democrat. So it wasn't all that long ago that this seat actually was in, in a Democrat seat. So it'll be interesting to see how this falls. Um, Ryan Dillon will be the Democrat in that area. He is a former um, a former staffer to Congressman Skelton, mm-hmm. so he has political knowledge. He's been working in the area for a long time. He's worked on some nonprofit efforts and that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting as we look once we win once the primary is over, um, how that how that November race actually looks. It'll probably take a, a large effort. But if the national tide, you know, there's been a lot of predictions about what the national tide will look like and how that'll play out. Um, if that national tide's big, it'll be interesting to see how that plays in this race mm-hmm. come November. Sure. Um, but but all three of those uh, Republican primary voters will be or Republican primary candidates will be looking to to be a part of that, and it'll be interesting to see how that one breaks down. Sure. Well, moving up to the far northeast corner of the state, actually one of the maybe even the largest physical uh, Senate district in the state is somebody that is termed out Brian Munslinger, senator from the the far northeast Williamsburg. Is that the name of the town, I believe he's from. I don't I think know. So. <laughs> Far north, <laughs> forgive that's me for if sure. you're from yes. Lewis or Clark counties, but he's <laughs> uh, up in there. And uh, uh, Senator Munslinger was the chairman of the Senate uh, Agriculture Committee, so somebody that we worked with quite a bit. Yes, a great um, friend to agriculture and and a huge loss for us. Uh, yeah. So and absolutely. so he'll be turning out, and yeah. uh, we're going to have to find a replacement for Senator Munslinger. And he has one of the another one of these multiple way primaries with. Uh, people who are very well established already. So that one's going to be pretty tough to predict, I think. Yeah. You know, when you look up in the 18th district, um, you're seeing a four-way Republican primary. Um, so you see a lot of a, a lot of, of splitting of the vote there. We have a four-way primary, as I said, between current state reps, um, Craig Redman, Lyndall Shoemake, Nate Walker, and then the fourth in the race is businesswoman Cindy O'Laughlin from Shelbina. And so that's going to be a really interesting race. Uh, as we've talked about a lot, there's a lot of geography splits in this. Yeah. But this one also throws into the three established candidates who have won elections before. And then you, and then you have the fourth in the, is, is O'Laughlin, who is running as kind of the outsider candidate who doesn't have a vote record to be attacked. Or, and she's or, kind of been around quite a while in, involved. Yes, in she's very well known. Yeah. She, is, she, is, she is not unknown to politics in yeah. any way. Um, so she knows the lay of the land. She knows knows the people of the area for sure. Um, so she's worked on Republican politics, I know. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that splits, Where she, but she doesn't have the attackables of having yeah. a, a voting record and things like that. So that's just going to be a it's going to be another one of those hot races. I know we're kind of repeating ourselves, but um, you just see there's the way that some people predict that 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 district splits is kind of in thirds where you've got the far east, the far west, and kind of the middle counties. Because mm-hmm. like you said, it is a huge district. Um, you do have um, Redmond, in the, Redmond and Shoemake from the east, mm-hmm. Walker from the west, O'Laughlin kind of from the central. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where you've got those common voting centers. Everybody up there is aware of what those are, but how that split breaks out. As far as fundraising goes, O'Laughlin and Redmond are neck and neck. 
and so they probably will be able to hit the airwaves heavier than most. Um, and it, it's not a very expensive district to advertise in as well. So that's that a very good point. Put a lot more up with yeah, less money. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but I think probably if you're from up there, you should probably be ready to start hearing some ads <laughs> and, right. and seeing some television as well because um, they're going to be hitting those airwaves and trying to cover such a large district. Yeah. I have heard that most of the candidates have been hitting the trail pretty hard. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of the Facebook stuff of who's at all the parades and that kind of thing. Um, but it'll be this is another one of those hotly contested races, um, and will be interesting to see as we see three, you know, known entities versus somewhat of a political newcomer. Um, yeah, and and one of the things with a district like this that is so rural, uh, so so dispersed, really, is the best way to say that the vote doesn't have any real center of gravity. Yeah. So even if you came from the largest city, like I, I guess Hannibal. Is is Hannibal covered in this district? I believe that's Hannibal is included. Yeah, yes. that's probably the the Hannibal, largest Kirksville. town. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe Kirksville may be the largest town, but either way, neither one of them is going to. If you want every vote in that town, you wouldn't win the district. Yeah. Um, it it would take a lot more than that. So you have to have a pretty broad support to pull it out, and you you can't just rely on dominating. You know, the one big town and then forget oh, yeah. about everybody else. Yeah, the state of Missouri makes it tough on some of our, our state senators. You know, some of the, just the way that the population is, is dispersed, it, you have to cover a lot of ground, almost bigger than a lot of congressmen, not yeah. necessarily Missouri congressmen, but congressmen as far as the United States look, sure. um, where they're covering a lot of ground and having to really hit the road um, to get to those votes. You know, yeah. it's a lot of little towns between the big ones, um, and that's probably where the battlefield really is. Sure. Um, on the exact opposite corner of the state, down in the in the Joplin area, we have uh, another race that's going to um, draw quite a bit of attention. And has yeah. an unpredictable outcome there too. No doubt. Um, so, in the race to replace um, Senator Ron Richard, who's been a you know a major leader of the president of the Senate in the last few years, um, we see uh, current state rep Bill White versus um, Chamber of Commerce leader Rob O'Brien. And so that's going to be another one of those tight races. Um, from what I'm hearing and, and reading, uh, Representative White has been on the trail quite a bit. He's been hitting it really hard. Um, but uh, Mr. O'Brien does have the backing of Senator Richard. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of seeing a, a, that's where the battlefield is going to be, where White's been out there hitting the pavement. But what will the influence of Richard be in that race? Obviously, the people of Joplin are used to voting for Richard, and so they he has their ear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the last few in these last couple of weeks. Um, whereas, once again, we have that known entity with some attackables with the votes. You have a voting record, whether they're all good or all not. Um, there's always something to be taken a look at there. Um, whereas um, the the newcomer doesn't have that, but yeah. at the same time, the newcomer doesn't have um, the name recognition. Um, Hasn't that, built that the some of the relationships. Us. That's as well. exactly right. And I, I actually have heard quite a bit of discussion over the past few years about do do endorsements even matter anymore? Do yeah. do people really care who yeah, no, somebody no. else tells them to vote for? Um, and I think that maybe it might matter on the state level more than the national and the local more than the state. I oh, think I think that that's the closer you get true. to home, the yeah. more it makes a difference. Because you know those people and it's more individual to you. Yeah. You know, if I know Eric Bowl and he said he's for John Smith, then I understand that. You probably that. won't vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely not. But you know what I'm saying. I do think it matters closer yeah, more it than it does on the national level. More of level. a personal connection absolutely. really makes a difference. And that's kind of what the whole point of an endorsement is supposed to be, is you trust me, so you'll listen to what I say. Yeah. And uh, I don't think anyone trusts a lot of the people that are that they don't know personally anymore. Yeah, maybe so. used to give a little more uh, credence to. That's probably a, a good point. But that'll be an interesting race down there. They're both from the Joplin area, so you don't have the demographic uh, battle. Uh, but you will see that incumbent 
versus or, or known entity versus new entity there. And so it'll be interesting. Um, and, you know, you never know with these, like you said, local races, uh, what all of the messaging will be. Um, but you'll probably see in these last few weeks, it probably heats up down there. Sure. Because um, there will be a lot of interest in, in trying to, you know, maintain that seat and have those powers that be Obviously, with uh, Senator Richard was a, a large voice in the Senate since he was elected and has been since serving in the House as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he has been a major leader. And so big shoes to fill again down yeah, there. So it'll be, sure. it'll be a fun race to watch. That's no <laughs> doubt. Well, the last one on our list for the state Senate is maybe the hottest one. And that's yeah. up in the uh, northwest corner of the state. Um, the the seat that is uh, in, currently held by someone from St. Joseph, but it also includes uh, Platt County, not just Buchanan. Yeah. And I believe it's been held by someone from Buchanan County for like 100 years or something. As far as I know, that's right. Yeah, this has come down several times to a uh, territory battle between Buchanan and the neighboring counties. And, and Buchanan County has typically held that seat. That's mm-hmm. right. And so uh, we have this time a Republican uh, in the pre- Republican primary one candidate from Buchanan and one candidate from Platt. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing there is, I guess, doesn't Platt has uh, more of a population advantage? Is that right? It actually does have the vote advantage from what I've read. You yeah. know, it's a little bit over 50% of the vote comes from Platt County. But Platt, Platt County is interesting, though, because you have some rural area of Platt County and then you have the population down towards the city mm-hmm. of Kansas City. Um, so that kind of plays into it as well, whereas uh, the, I would imagine probably the north part of Platt County maybe doesn't recognize themselves as as much with the south part of Platte County Mm -hmm. as Buchanan County's more homogenous to itself. no doubt. And so I think that's where this, you know, I think that's where you've seen Buchanan County be able to hold this in the past. It'll be interesting to see if it happens again. Obviously, this is the race to replace um, term-limited Rob Schaff, who has been, you know, another one of those strong powers in the Senate. We're saying it a lot, but there's going to be a lot of changing voices. Um, And this will be an interesting race. You may have seen headlines early um, in this race where there was actually an elected Democrat um, from Buchanan County who had signed up to run for this race as a Republican. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was some interesting political games, or at least being accused of political games being played there. Yeah, trying to split votes up and that kind of stuff. Yeah, no doubt, where you were just trying to get into the primary and and try to shake things up or change the dynamics. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that was that was contested several times and ended up he was removed from the ballot. Um, and so now we see just the two. It's uh, current presiding commissioner from from Buchanan County and Harry Roberts um, versus uh, Luke DeMeyer, Tony Luke DeMeyer from Platt County. Mm-hmm. And so he is an attorney from Platt County um, and running kind of on that newcomer uh, message that we've heard several times. We're yeah. kind of repeating ourselves here, um, but running on that message as well. But, whereas, but that Luke DeMeyer name is, is pretty distinctive and it's not the first time we've seen it before. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. I, I do believe he has some relation to Congressman Luke DeMeyer. Um, and then um, his wife, and this is no secret, his wife was a part of the Greitens administration as mm-hmm. well. Um, so it'll be int- that part to me will be very interesting, just to be completely honest, is can he run as an outsider with those political connections? Yeah. Um, but he doesn't have the voting record, whereas the commissioner will have voted on things and taken mm-hmm. up issues um, that will be able to be used for and against him. So you'll, you will see that. But will the outsider name really be able to stick in this race will be interesting. Um, or does it just simply come down to 
Buchanan County voters versus Platt County voters yeah. um, in that Republican primary. So it'll be a it's going to be a really hotly contested race. It already is. Um, there's been accusations back and forth. There's been some negative ads back and forth. So that one's already heating up. Um, you do see some uh, some heavy fundraising going on in that there are so, there were some expected independent expenditures because of some connections from previous life. But with the changes in dynamics at the state level, I don't know if those come in at this point. So yeah. it'll be very interesting. Obviously, um, Senator Schaff um, was a strong voice, and he has endorsed uh, uh, Mr. Roberts in that race. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen just from Facebook and just watching some of this race uh, some some known names, including uh, former elected officials, um, showing up at Mr. Roberts' events. Mm-hmm. And so um, I haven't seen that as much on the other side, but maybe I'm just— I. I could. I wouldn't claim Maybe that they're the not happening. Maybe the algorithm is working against you. <laughs> that could be. I wouldn't claim to have, have watched every event. That's for sure. sure. But it'll be interesting to see how this race race shakes out. I I think that that this race, as well as what we've said on many of the other races, where you're seeing a newcomer to politics, but this isn't new for elections, it's just something I'm watching for in this, where you're seeing a relative newcomer, you know, that's somewhat, some of these have actually branded themselves as outsiders. Um, This is just B.J. Tanksley's take, but I think personally it'll be interesting to see how people who've branded themselves about as outsiders and newcomers, how that fares in the state of Missouri. Um, just with the dynamics of our former Governor Greitens being labeled as the outsider and coming in to shake things up, we all know at this point how that ended up. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be interesting to see how in the state of Missouri, whether or not, especially in these Republican primaries, whether or not there's any political blowback yeah. to that. Does that blemish that, yeah. that type of uh, brand? Of the the outsider brand. Yeah. Does not. that candidate have to struggle through that more than yeah. they would have, you know, even six, eight years ago? Um, because we've always, you know, it's always been one of those, oh, well, he's been around, so he's easier to attack. So it would just be interesting, in my opinion, um, just B.J. Tanksley's take of, of how does that shake out across the landscape? Uh, do we see outcomers, outsiders with you know, an inherent advantage, mm-hmm. or do we see them having to overcome that? Or is it just a split? Um, as we look across these five races or six races, you know, do we see just a split? And it just seems like it was really candidate by candidate, yeah. which a lot of these races end up being. Uh, we like to paint with broad brushes, but a lot of times it just comes down to, you know, which candidates worked harder, which ones knew their district better, and which ones had the message, you know, yeah. that really hit home. Well, and this, this last race we were talking about here with uh, the the Buchanan and Platt County seat, uh, Senate District 34, is one of the more interesting ones that uh, will come up in November as well, because it's by no means certain that this is going to remain a Republican seat. Oh, absolutely not. Um, Martin Rucker Jr., mm-hmm. um, the former Mizzou star with lots NFL football yeah, player as well. With lots of uh, name recognition, mm-hmm. and his father was an elected official as well. Um, these two candidates will be facing against it, you know, a, a large, you know, a large <laughs> opponent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. But there will be a tough race. Um, more of these may become tough races, although they've been held by Republicans in the past. Yeah. But that one for sure. Um, as we look at the landscape of the state of Missouri, uh, you know, I've seen predictions that say, um, you know, we may remain at the same, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as far as margins go in the House and the Senate, or we may see two or three uh, state Senate state Senate positions switch. Mm-hmm. And I think that just depends on how the national tide goes. Yeah. How does the U.S. Senate race, lead, you know, take the state of Missouri? You and know, what, if, what is the current balance of power in the Senate right now? Twenty-four, I think. Uh, 24, 24 to 10, yeah. I so. believe, is the split. It may have changed with the election of Lauren Arthur. 
uh, to 23-11. Okay. Um, but it's still about a two-to-one advantage. Yeah, maybe a little, you know. A little more than two-to-one either way. Yes, and it was veto-proof and has uh-huh. been for a while. Um, so you see, you've seen it. Um, but we've probably saw the, the majorities kind of top out. Yeah. You know, you, you saw a huge Trump win, which won some districts that we may not have ever thought could be. And over the years, we've seen that kind of balloon. We all know that a midterm election and a sitting president is, is usually tough for the incumbent party. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'll just be interesting to see how that if it sways at all yeah. or if it stays strong, you know, if Trump and Pence are playing in the state quite a bit um, and that U.S. race is that important, we may mm-hmm. see enough action in the state that it doesn't it doesn't make as big of a change. Yeah. And there, and even on the state level, there's been that much uh, similar geographical sorting yeah. that, that we've seen on the national level. Everyone always talks about the gerrymandering of districts and how much uh, in Congress that has solidified the House in very having very few swing districts left over anymore that really are ever in danger of switching parties either either yeah. direction. That's kind of happened the same way in the House, uh, or I'm sorry, in, in the, on the state level. Oh yeah, but uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of people who really look at this also say, you know, it's not so much that they're drawn um, that crazily. It's really people's voting patterns have yeah. solidified and shifted. Yeah, and I think that's true. If you look at a state of Missouri in the Senate maps, you could probably come up with another way to draw them, but I don't know that it changes the numbers yeah. that much. It'd be pretty you, tough to change the balance of power very much from where it is. It certainly would. They're not picking off like 100 Republicans in this one neighborhood and yeah. then jumping over three miles. That's not how these maps are drawn. They're pretty much blocks of counties. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you look at it, it's it's it may not go to everyone's favorite. You, you may not love the way every district is drawn, but as far as final numbers in either the House or the Senate, it would be hard to say how do you draw it and make large changes without yeah. diving into those population centers. Because if you look at the if you look at the state of Missouri and the way they voted through the last few elections, the rural areas are voting largely Republican in the urban centers, including, you know, the Columbias and Springfields mm-hmm. and other areas are, are leaning more Democrat. But but I don't think you draw a map that changes that. I yeah. think that becomes very tough. It's going to be probably be a similar map or a similar makeup of the chamber for many years to come unless something dramatic shifts nationally, I would guess. Yeah. And just with the nature, like I said, we could probably see two or three seats switch one way or the other, mm-hmm. um, but we probably don't see a dramatic shift. We probably still see a large Republican majority, lo- Republican leadership as far as going into 20. Uh, 19 session. I don't think we see any major changes there. House side, same thing. Yeah. It's bigger numbers because there's bigger individuals. Some of those beltway outside of Kansas City and outside of St. Louis, some of those districts may be swing districts in the coming in this election. Um, in the no- once we look towards November, but as far as looking forward, you're probably still going to see large Republican majorities in both the House and the Senate. Um, although they may not be quite as large as they have been in the past year. So I do think uh, we, we, see a, we see an election that's going to have a lot of excitement, but in the end, when we look towards November uh, and into January, I don't know that you see a lot of numbers shift. Yeah. But, but for those of you all represented by, by these individual districts, these are hot seats. You know? see a lot of action, yes, a lot you of people are. knocking on your doors. Yeah, no doubt. Do your research, pay attention to to uh, to to the candidates, ask the tough questions, take the time to get to know them, um, because these these races, as we know, especially in primaries, uh, every vote's going to count. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it truly is. And on that note, we 
uh, do at, at Farm Bureau have endorsement um, uh, an endorsement session coming up. That's uh, exactly but right. We don't endorse in the primary. We wait until after the primary is settled. That's a great point. Missouri Farm Bureau has a tradition of not getting involved prior to primaries. We are able to at this point, but we we typically don't get involved prior to primaries um, just because, like we've talked, these primaries can be very tough. Missouri mm-hmm. Farm Bureau then usually, um, our regional endorsement committees then consider endorsements following the primary elections. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so our conversation is just talking about the lay of the land. The Missouri Farm Bureau will take positions on some of these following the primary election, uh, although we don't have to get involved in every single race. Uh, Missouri Farm Bureau Friend of Agriculture Awards will be coming out um, around the first part of August, where we will be recognizing uh, state representatives who have um, voted in favor of our as well as in, in favor of our positions, as well as having a good working relationship with their county farm bureaus. Mm-hmm. Those will be announced towards the beginning of August. Um, whereas we do the friend of ag on the house side in the in the state, and then we all, we do sometimes endorse in senate races. So we don't endorse on house races. Um, we do do the friend of ag for house races, and then we do sometimes endorse in senate races. Although we don't get involved in every single race traditionally, mm-hmm. uh, we take the lead of our local farm bureaus on all of those. Whether they choose to nominate someone for a friend of agriculture award or choose to get involved in the uh, in those senate races, we always take that back to the local level, um, and those people are the ones voting on that and making those decisions. Yeah, as with everything we do here, this yeah, is absolutely. a very member-driven absolutely. Uh, uh, process. The, the PAC endorsements don't come from me and you, yeah, and the no. staff here. It's really our members, and they're the ones that make the decision. We just stand behind them. Yeah, no doubt. We we provide the information, the background, and help with some of the accommodating, um, but the but the members are all the, always the ones doing the voting on that and, and do a great job of it. They always are very thoughtful. Um, in, in these considerations, knowing that it's important to how we move forward and how the state moves forward. So I think it'll yeah. be a, another exciting year as we look forward. Um, one thing we haven't talked about on the uh, August ballot is uh, the one thing that may get the most statewide attention is the uh, the right to work vote. It well, definitely it'll be has so far a. gotten yeah. the most attention. Uh, I can't go more than you know half a mile without running into another sign saying vote no on uh, Proposition A. I don't know. I've seen a single sign yet that says to vote yes. Well, I can't tell you that I have. It's (laughs) going to be an interesting election. You know, Missouri Missouri Farm Bureau member adopted policy is in favor of right to work legislation. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, you know, we haven't necessarily gotten involved in this, but that is where our policy stands. And and just to clarify, this is a bit, I I actually asked this question in a staff meeting the other day because I couldn't understand why the unions were wanting you to vote no on this. And uh, then you kind of explained it to me. Could you maybe uh, go through the process of what a no vote means? Yeah, so it is a referendum on the bill that was passed by the House and Senate in 2017. So because that's the process, it was challenged. They they gathered the votes from the uh, from the electorate and turned those into the Secretary signatures, of State. Yeah. yeah, the signatures from around the state. They turned those in, and what that did was it blocked the bill from becoming law. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just the House and Senate's votes and the and the signature of the governor allowing it to become law, it actually has to be voted on by the people mm-hmm. before it would become law. So that so makes the question, the do question you want on, right to work to be the, the law of the land? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you want right to work to be the law of the land as laid out in Senate Bill 17? Um, I believe it was 17, 17 or 19. Um, and so that's the question, is mm-hmm. do you want this bill to go into effect, is mm-hmm. essentially the question. Now, now the ballot language will be just a little bit different than that, but it's pretty, but the it's it. pretty clear mm-hmm. that if you want right to work, you vote yes. Yeah. If you are against right to work legislation, you vote no. 
Um, and, and that's the only ballot initiative that's on the August ballot, correct? That's right. We've talked a lot about other ballot initiatives, and, and November will be crowded, but the only one on the August one will be the right to work. Yeah. A lot of people, actually, it was slated to be on the November ballot. It was moved to the August ballot, um, but I don't know that it changes the outcome of it. It'll be interesting. The polling um, shows the no up quite a bit, 18, 20 percent, um, with, with just a small amount undecided at this point. Um you know, the legislature was able to pass it. Uh, a lot of people believe there is a strong push around the state to, to move in that direction. Um, but there's, I always believe there's an emotional tie to those that are fighting against something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, you see that as well as, you know, the unions have really done their job of working hard, raising money and getting ready for this. Yeah. So if we're going to see a push, it'll be here in these last few weeks on the yes side. Um, you know, stay tuned because I can't imagine it won't be coming. Yeah. There's um, going to be plenty of money poured into this over the yeah. next couple of weeks. Yeah. So stay tuned. You'll probably hear more on both sides of this issue. But that is the one thing that will be on the August ballot. Yeah. So then moving into November, yeah. we do have just a handful and we don't need to go into deep deep detail on these because it's still several months away. Yeah, we'll have another we chance. We could do a whole <laughs> conversation over just these. Oh my goodness. It is going to be, and we probably will. Yeah, so, no doubt. Uh, but there's a number of um, uh, very interesting ones actually that may end up getting some national attention too, uh, but uh, mostly relating to the legalization of, of marijuana. That's um, right. Wh- what is the situation with that? So in November, there will be, uh, there could be at least almost there's seven questions, I believe. So it's going to be a crowded ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, the fuel tax passed by the legislature, supported by Farm Bureau, will be on there. Bingo limitations <laughs> and who can run a bingo game. I thought you were joking when you told me that the first time. <laughs> no, there no. really is a constitutional amendment, right, about bingo. Yes, who can run a bingo game has been in our in the Missouri Constitution. So in order to change it, it has to be changed by a vote of the people. Um, so that will the be on important the, issues of the day. <laughs> that's right. Um, and then uh, others you may have heard of would be a clean Missouri, mm-hmm. which is talking about ethics changes in the state of Missouri, but also changes to the redistricting process. And it's a very complex issue. Yeah. Um, that one's going to take a lot of we, uh, diving in to understand. That's exactly what I was going to say. At some point, we may want to do a dive into both sides of this issue um, and really would encourage folks to look into that issue. Yeah. Um, I won't even claim at this point to know everything about it, but we have a few months to get ready because um, it is an issue that, that we are going to have a chance to vote on. And if it passes, it'll go into effect. You know, we, it's one of those things we have to make sure that we're ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another um, is the minimum wage increase. Oh, yeah. That'll be mm-hmm. included on there. I forgot and, that was even there. Yeah. Okay. And then four um, marijuana-related pieces of legislation mm-hmm. that take everything from medical marijuana with a doctor's notes to pretty open-ended um, most of them are, are surrounded around medical marijuana, mm-hmm. but different levels of legalization of marijuana in the state of Missouri. Um, the interesting question about that, which everybody asks, and I haven't heard a real clear answer on, is with four questions on the ballot, who takes who wins this? Yeah. What if all four of them pass? Yes. Then what's the right law to I've, follow? I've heard some say that some of them work together really well, that some of them don't. Um, and then it was even suggested that maybe the one with the most votes is the one that huh. has precedent. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a very interesting— They end up in the state Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> you think? I think that might happen. Yeah. So uh, it'll be an interesting year. So November ballot will be a crowded ballot. Uh, we'll do a deep dive into that. But uh, it's going to be a lot to deal with, a lot for a lot for people really to consider. You mm-hmm. know, when you're getting ready to vote, there's always a lot of noise going on. 
Um, but we don't always have this level of questions on the ballot. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how those shake out. Um, Farm Bureau will do our part to try to educate folks on what those issues are, uh, the pros and cons of, bo- of all of them, and, and then as we wade into November. But looking towards August, as we've talked about here, we have a crowded ballot. There's a lot of heavily contested primaries. I would encourage people to go out there and, and educate themselves on the candidates, know where they stand on the issues, and be prepared for it. Uh, we have a few more weeks here to get ready. Um, like I said, Farm Bureau will make our endorsements following the primaries, so we're not pushing in any one direction or the other, but would encourage folks to get out there, get to know the candidates that will be represented, representing them. You know, I work in the Capitol um, all day, every day throughout session, um, and so we're working closely with these folks, and we'll work with, with whatever legislatures, legislators we get, but for our members and those out there to, to get to know their candidates and make sure that we're making good, educated decisions on these would be uh would be a huge step forward. So. Yeah, definitely so. And um, on these, uh, the ballot where uh, we have so many different issues, I, I hope that people do take the time, like you say, yeah. to do their homework because sometimes you walk in there and there's literally one thing to vote on. This is going to take you some time to really go through and you want to make sure that you understand what you're voting on before you get there. So, Without a doubt. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you walking us through all these and uh, giving your insight. Yeah. So it's uh, going to be an exciting August. We'll be watching closely. Obviously, the the... The landscape will change seven times between <laughs> now and August, but uh, but we'll more. be there. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Okay. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed the deep dive that we did there on some of these races. I know it was a little longer than usual, but uh, a lot of good information BJ had to share with us on those races. And if you ever do have any individual questions, you know, give us a call. Uh, BJ or I would be more than happy to talk with you about um, any of your particular questions on these ballot issues or the people involved and see if we can give any more insight into what we know. Uh, But we'll try to get back uh, in touch with you before the November election with another uh, analysis of what to look for on that ballot. So keep your eyes out for that. But until then, we will be back next week. Thank you for joining us.